Making Sense of Chaos is a podcast exploring anything and everything but dinner table talk. It's a conversation about death and dying, love, grief and hope. And the beauty and terror of realising that everyone you know will die. It's just us today and in the interest of this podcast we got a few questions for each other to let you get to know us in a bit of a morbid and jarring way. This is unscripted and they're also going to be a bit of an insight to what this podcast, Making Sense of Chaos, will look like and just a little bit about us. Can you tell us about your experience at the doctor's yesterday? Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I actually didn't think you'd ask me this. Got a bit too real. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good, good, good question. Um, I put myself into this. I wanted to do this before I am. So, my experience yesterday um, was. I've been feeling for a while that I needed to get my skin checked um, and it's taken me probably quite a few months, if I'm, if I'm being honest, to stick to an appointment um, and the appointment was with my partner. I had a full body examination and they found two um, pretty cancerous and concerning um, marks or moles on my body, one on my chest, one on my leg, and um, basically got told that I need to get them removed um, urgently. Um, and the experience of uh, sitting in a room where, um, I mean, to, to paint a picture, the the doctor basically said to me that melanoma is the number one killer of men my age. Um, well, I actually thought suicide was, but there you go. It's apparently melanoma, and he said to me that um, these things can aggressively kill you within months. Mm. Um, so I thought, all right, okay. So he's he's, he's gone down the down the path of death and risk and he basically it was like he was just going through a script basically and told me the risks told me what i needed to do told me worst case scenario which is obviously you know a pet scan and further investigation um and yeah i mean i mean i know there's no follow-up questions to this but um is there anything in particular you want to know about the experience yesterday. Well, are there follow qu- up questions or not? I don't know. <laughs> there, can, there can be. All right, we get one follow up question each. Okay. Okay. Are you going to use it? I'm going to use. Question? I'm going to use it. Yep. This is oh, the play card. Yep. Um. Impulsive. Yep. It's an impulsive decision. Yep. Um. Okay. So. You described that in quite factual detail. What's the emotional side of what was going through your head? 
the emotional side that I felt like, and it sounds really crude to say, but if, if something was to be at that really pointy end, I think it would be really emotionally, well, I use the word diabolical and challenging, and I think it's kind of, I kind of want to move towards that. I kind of, it kind of excites me and scares me at the same time. Mm. Um, and that's like, yeah, my honest sort of view. I mean, I honestly sort of told you yesterday, I can't control it. Nobody can control these things. And, mm. um, if, if that was to, to happen, um, I know that um, I would uh, I would be in a lot of emotional pain and I would need a lot of people there, but I think that um, it's not something that I'm scared of going to. I'm not, I'm not scared of going into that dark, solitude, isolated place. Mm. So I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. We're doing a podcast on death. Um, I know through conversation, you've never come face to face with death. So, so why this topic? I think the reason for this conversation is this sense of urgency that I've been experiencing in the last few years. I'm sort of in this very um, fortunate phase of my life where um, I do still have most of the people around me who I'm closest to um, who are still alive and I know that that's not going to last forever Um, and I I get quite anxious but I also get quite um, motivated um, when I think about that like I get motivated in the sense that I want to have certain conversations with those people, um, you know, and I'm including myself in the equation too, that something could happen to me any day. Like I remember this one article a few years ago uh, that was like a group of friends were walking along um, Swanston Street in the city and this wall just fell on top of them. And they were, you know, like 18-year-olds. It's like, oh, what? Like okay, they're, they're dead now. Uh, it's, you know, the police today who just died doing speed tests on the side of the highway. And it's like, there's no um, predictability of life. It's just all complete randomness. And I think that growing awareness of that randomness is what led me to this podcast. The growing awareness and the mixed with almost the urgency. Totally. Yeah. So, Jason, how did being in the police force shape your perception of death? Um, I think in isolation, particular events, especially earlier on, um, have stayed with me and especially around an incident, um, very first incident with um, with a family. It was basically uh, a family that um, were deceased. And um, I rarely talk about this to people that I 
you know, even 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 that I trust. I mean, my my, my family members probably don't even know the story. Mm. Um, so it's it's something that was one of the first things I saw in the force, and one of the last things that stays with me. Um, and I think that shaped my my desire to further understand what death means in reference to life. I mean, how do I, I always wondered how how do how do we work through all this meaning, this death, which it was, which the incident was. It was a it was a two young children under the age of five, um, and with with the father. And it's one of those events that um, you're left feeling, what's the point? And at that stage in my life, I had no inkling or understanding around that from from the psychological, conceptual, intellectual point of view. Um, and that really started in in in, in many ways my my desire to, to move away from that work and actually mm. become more of a, more of a preventative, mm. um, sort of prevent it, which is another, you know, topic mm. or, or, or I'm sure another question, um, that, that, that you can't ask another question because you've already used it up. Um, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely instigated my desire to, to further understand it. Um, and, and all its sort of colour. I, 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 I don't know if anyone can fully conceptualise, intellectualise or even emotionally understand the concept of death. I think everyone's got their own understanding. Um, and I think I'm just on a pursuit and the police has gave me that start in life. So I'm wondering your relationship with dark, uncomfortable, protruding thoughts, mm. and and if you can describe a particular moment that maybe the listeners can, I don't know, maybe visualise or maybe mm. understand on, on, on some level, then maybe detail it. One of them that comes to mind recently. Um, well, being at work, uh, a bit of a background, uh, work on a um, addiction helpline, Jason does too. And uh, we get a lot of different calls, some of which are um, people in such a dark state that they're feeling suicidal. And I think... Um, you know, answering the call and, and going into their headspace sometimes um, will put me into a very dark space myself where I go into depth in those thoughts. And I think that's something I'll do on the podcast, not necessarily right now, but I'd love to um, really explore that further and also get your take um, on that mindset, Jace, throughout the podcast. Yeah, yeah, and it's certainly, um, I mean, 
mean, we haven't got an This is an episode in itself. Yeah. Um, the the it's part of the reason why I sort of asked it is because you know that that question is 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 detailed and it deserves to be mm. given its own time and space. Mm. Um, and I think that I mean what I would say, and this is not. You know, no, no response is really needed. It's, it's, it's interesting that um, the uncomfortable, retrieved thought come from a projection from someone else or mm. from an experience that you've had at work. Mm. Um, where I can imagine, you know, the, the, the difference between, you know, just having that isolated thought, that uncomfortable, retrieved thought with, with no stimulus. Um, and where, what I immediately think is, you know, and this is going down the chain of mental health and 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 um, suicidality and what it must be like for people that are just alone and don't yeah. have anyone. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's on to my question now. Um, mm-hmm. This is a big one. Uh, probably not something. No, it's not something we've spoken about before. Um, it's the question is: Can you even, with your live human brain, conceptualize not existing on this earth? Like, is that even, you, you might think you can conceptualise it now, but is that even, like, remotely possible to do, in your opinion? Um, I think conceptualising not existing. The possibility of that happening may, may be... In your last moments, in your last, your last breath, but I don't know while you're living or while you're you're, you're in the conscious, in the way we know it, the consciousness in the way we know it is mm. is is something that we can attain. I think. I mean, this goes into different realms of consciousness, you know, and, and people have different areas. But my view is. In, no, I think that's kind of the, the, the desire or, or, or the, the absolute um, agony in it is that is that you, you kind of want to know, you kind of want to experience it. Totally. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's something that in a, in a really satirical way, I kind of... I wouldn't say I look forward to it, to what that experience could be like. But I'm not inherently or consciously afraid of it. Mm, love it. Next question. I'm interested in your particular relationship with religion, mm. but also the, the, the broader view of religion. And if I was to say to you, Judaism and or religion in general, Christianity is purely 
or only or even possibly a form of escapism and denial, mm. what, would you, what would you say? I think if you, you know, it, that's hard for me to answer because personally in this stage of my life, I'm, I don't believe in God. Um, I never have. Um, but I do think, I do often get jealous of people who do believe in God, especially at moments of death, especially where death doesn't make sense. But then simultaneously I get really angry um, when a death doesn't make sense and you're at the Jewish funeral and every prayer is praising God. Literally, the translation in English, which no one really knows because they're reading Hebrew, um, is God is great. And it's like, well, a three-year-old has just died. How is God great? Um, you know, the Holocaust, how is God great? Um, it just... And we're, we're going to have guests who are going to speak about this exact topic, but from the other perspective, the opposite perspective, um, who are actually involved in the religious world. Um, so I can't wait to hear what they've got to say about it. But to me... Um, it doesn't add up intellectually, so I can't put myself there emotionally. Um, but I also keep saying to myself that who knows? You can't you can't rule out religion right now, Maddie, because you haven't had anything terribly tragic happen to you. So who knows where your mind's going to go if something tragic did happen? Wouldn't put it past myself that maybe I would turn towards religion. Maybe I would find some weird cults. I don't know. The mind can do weird things. Hey. Yeah, well, I look forward to it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> can you invite me in? Yeah. 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 I'll be in South America somewhere in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um. Okay. To my last question. Yeah. This is actually my favourite question. I wish you were asking me this one. It's too good to give to you. <laughs> All right. Jason, do you find it at all disconcerting that in four to five generations' time, let's say, maybe six, you're just going to be maybe a name like in a digital family tree? <laughs> And future family members won't really know much about you. They'll just know your name. They, they probably won't know anything about, like, your quirks, how your voice sounds, or, like, I don't know, your um, your most intimate moments. You're just going to be, like, some, like, vessel of a person that lived during coronavirus. How does that make you feel? Maddie, that's a hard question. How does it make me feel? This is coming from, this is actually very much a similar response to your previous question. I, I don't, the relevance of my existence in, in generations to come mm. is 
for me, emotionally irrelevant. I don't, I don't necessarily care. There, there's no inference or need for me to be known in as history writes it out to be. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have that desire to to want to be known. I, I want to be able to do what I can when I can while I'm here mm. and impact the generation that's closer to me that that I'm in now um, and given the fact that we have no idea what happens when you die that question kind of feels to me a little bit null and void because maybe there maybe there's something else out there when we do die and maybe there's not mm. and how we're viewed in history doesn't matter and it never did matter um, and emotionally it's not something that I mean something that I've thought about for sure but it's not something that will ever influence my time on this earth hmm okay so on that question you just raised to me. I want to mirror that back at you, but I also want to add. You can't steal my question. Well, I'm not stealing it. I'm just, I'm just improving it. <laughs> I'm, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Yeah. Whatever you say. I went to the. No, no, go on. Yeah. I do want a response. Okay. And that's this is my extra question. I'm. I want you to answer that question, and then I want you to answer my additional question. Okay, got, yeah, uh, what's your additional question? So it's a quite a simple one. Um, it's more of a clinical question, and it's more around your views on suicide. Um, well, we we know the statistics of people dying, mm. ending their ending ending their life in our age group. And I think not just our age group, any age group. Mm. And is there not enough responsibility for everyone that exists mm. to to reduce that, to reduce death? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a very big question. Um... Yeah. Um, okay. Well, is it preventable? I'll answer first. Um, you know, so many things come to mind there. The idea when you're thinking in terms of the future, whether you're going to matter in the future. I mean, maybe this conversation uh, around mental health won't even exist in 300 years. It will be around like. I don't know, biochemical adjustments to your brain via some random robot where they can figure out genetic um, com- compatibility that creates a suicidal tendency. And yeah, so I, I don't know if we have an answer to that yet. I do know that um, depression can be treated through various ways, um, but in some 
cases, people struggle with severe suicidal thoughts for many, many, many years. And you question, like, to what you were saying before, Jace, about, like, working from the preventative side instead of, like, being the Band-Aid fix um, in police force. It's like, well, yeah, maybe we could work on the preventative side for all the culmination of ripple effects that cause someone to be suicidal. Um, and I think that is where work can be done. And, yes, I do think that we are all accountable, especially when you hear stories about people who have had failed suicide attempts and realised um, midway through jumping that they didn't want to do it and that they had more to live for. Um, and and that, that's, I think, really what highlights to me the absolute emergency that the response that is required to fully address um, suicide. I mean, isn't it? What are the stats? It's it's sort of leading cause of death in Australia. I didn't even know that. So, yeah. Um, We've been speaking for probably about 30, 35 minutes, I would say. Mm. We don't want to be the experts. We want to be able to get people on from all ranges of socioeconomic, race, religion, experience. And we're not there to judge. We're not there to, you know, even even become clinicians. We're not, we're not that's not our role in this. We, we don't want to provide therapy. You know, we, we that's, that's, that's external to this. We, we just want people to connect and have a, have a voice to share and hopefully get into a, get into a discussion that's deeper than, than most. That was Making Sense of Chaos, a podcast about death and dying, love, grief and hope. Produced by Maddie Bragel and Jason Wheel. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.